Hi, and welcome to VSUIT, the audio-only virtualization podcast that your parents warned you about. Now that the post-VMworld blues have well and truly set in, we've got Tim Udin, Chris Chicote, and Luigi Dankonos uh, here with something to bring that warm, fuzzy feeling back. Hi, guys. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Yeah, thank you. Hey. Great to have you on. Um, so if you would just do sort of some very quick uh, introductions. Tim? I'm Tim Odin, uh, Vice Chairman of the V Community Trust. And we also have with us Chris Seacott, who is our uh, our loyal secretary, and Luigi Danikos, uh, being the newest member on the board of directors for the V Trust. He's our uh, director of marketing, filling a, a huge gap in uh, something uh, we realized that we had. So uh, good to have him on as well. Excellent. So the the V Community Trust, uh, it's something you know I think we've possibly seen pop up on Twitter a few times. Um, it's you know very much a, a startup charity, as it were. Um, so tell us a bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's kind of a fun one uh, the way it all uh, sort of came around. Um, this was the uh, brainchild of uh, Paul Valentino, who currently serves as the chairman and uh, really leading the efforts on this. We uh, we're out uh, tipping a pint at uh, at the Chieftain during VMworld 2010 and chatting on some of the stories that have been going around of people who had uh, gained some sponsorship uh, that uh, got them to VMworld that wouldn't have been able to attend otherwise. And the conversation just kind of kept on going, came around to certification and the cost of the required training uh, for the VCP certification. And this is, what, this is where it really kicked in. Um, and Paul, uh, Paul was just sitting there and said, hey, wouldn't it be cool if... And then the idea just kept on rolling. So it's been almost a year now. And as it stands right now, we have uh, six board members, uh, along with uh, three of us present on the phone. We also have Carolyn Orloff, who serves as our treasurer, Matthew Lieb, who is our director of communications, and, uh, of course, Paul Valentino, the chairman. I was trying to figure out which one the sixth one was. Um, so the, the real mission, the simple mission, is to... Try and, and provide hands-on training and funding uh, in the pursuit of, as the focus is right now, a VCP certification. So we all know the tests are getting harder, especially with uh, with VCR five coming out. Uh, the tests is the, the, the tests are getting more to the point where you really need the hands-on training uh, to successfully complete it, and people. Some people don't have that opportunity, and there's the money for the uh, for the training class. So we're working on putting together labs and funding. Uh, we have looked at some some potential training efforts and uh, methods of putting together kind of scenario in line with the VCP blueprint, uh, so that we can really have a focus when we're bringing someone on and introducing them to to the hardware resources, letting them get the hands on, so we can stay focused and get it accomplished as quick as possible and then start looking for our next candidate. Um, then Chris will kind of hit on some of the some of the training initiatives that we're kind of looking at uh, in a bit later. Um, as it stands right now, so for the past year, our, our real focus has been on solidifying the mission and the future direction of the trust. I think uh, there's just uh, you know, kind of a whirlwind of, of ideas and thoughts and cool stuff, you know, because we're all distracted by shiny things and everything sounds cool. Uh, so we've been really trying to focus the efforts and define the direction 
the near-term and long-term direction of the trust and achieving uh, public charity status within the United States so that we can officially start pursuing tax-deductible donations for the trust. Uh, thus far, we haven't been able to really offer anything in return for donation. Now we can. We uh, actually achieved that status in August of this year, and that was, uh, it was huge for us. Uh, and again, those, those were largely the efforts of Paul Valentino. Um, and so, it sounds great. I mean, you know, at uh, VSUIT, we're no stranger to ideas uh, coming out of uh, having a few pints at, uh, at VMworld. Because yeah. that's how the uh, the podcast started, was uh, Ed and uh, Christian and myself um, having one too many at the, uh, <laughs> the community lounge on the sort of the first night of, uh, of VMworld. And, you know, here we are almost coming up to a, a year later. Um, yeah, so, we're still paying yeah. for that, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a long hangover that one. Yeah, um, but uh, you know, doing a podcast is one thing, but you know, actually, sort of forming a charity and um, you know, I I don't know a, a whole lot about your sort of um, professional backgrounds, but going from something where you know where we're all techies to uh, running a company, which you know, any charity is essentially run like a company, so running a, a complete um, establishment of its own is. Uh, you know, I'd say that's a, a whole new, different ball game of challenges. Well, yeah. So, the, so uh, before you start up, Luigi, I think um, the uh, the segue is pretty awesome. Uh, they were just talking about the uh, kind of the um, the idea of forming a business from a bunch of uh, technical guys, and uh, Luigi's been and is going to be critical in actually turning this around and and making it something that you know is something more than just a bunch of technical guys. There, that's Absolutely. all. I'd like to give you yeah. something to pick up on. <laughs> Thanks on that one, Tim. Um, Alright, so I'm Luigi, aka Nerdblurt. I think most people know me as Nerdblurt. And Paul approached me about being the director of marketing for the V Trust. And it's probably the biggest role that I have right now with that is I know how to network really well on the social media scene. So I've created a lot of contacts in a lot of different businesses. Um, and not personally having a huge marketing experience, it's it's a little bit of a learning curve for me. But again, knowing a lot of people in the industry, I can leverage my resources to help us out. Um, like one of the biggest thing is uh, with Rod Gabriel. He's the Wisconsin VMUG leader. He's been instrumental in supporting the V Trust to the fact where I mean the point where. This past VMworld, he brought over the new New Jersey VMUG leader, Mike Wilson, to talk to us about the V-Trust and how he wants to try and support it. And I'm working with him to get a small presentation ready for the New Jersey VMUG. So it's instrumental, you know, to have that, the networking ties with the community and back. And it's good to see that there's support there. Um, but also some of the conversations I had, one of them was with uh, Justin Lauer, and he's like, well, what information can I bring to my you know, CEO or CIO about having a company donate to us? And I'm like, you know something, Justin, that's not an avenue I had actually envisioned, but that actually entailed me to think about um, creating a C-level document for you know those high-level executives that might want to donate to the V-Trust for their company. Um, this is not something that I had originally thought about. I was 
more focused on community and trying to get the bloggers and the vmugs involved. And so that's another thing that we're working on along with the complete marketing strategy from the beginning to the end. And that's all a new learning curve. And, you know, it's taking a techie into the business world and trying to make them think of, okay, how do I got to look at it from a business perspective, not just, you know, a bunch of tech guys together. Yeah. So you, you're, it's, it's fair, fairly safe to say you're a fair few area codes outside of your comfort zone on it. Oh, yeah. You can... I'm enjoying it though because I'm learning a lot as I go through, and right. it's definitely I'm definitely out of my comfort zone, which is good. It gives me something to adjust to. So yeah, you know we don't we don't normally allow vendor pitches uh, sort of on the uh, on VSoup unless they're from Veeam, of course. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, tell, give give me give me the sea level pitch. What what could a company gain? Because yeah, there are a fair few people that uh, I'd like to think there's board, board level people that listen to VC. There might not be, but why why should I as a you know a company with a nice big bank account? I've got some spare. Uh, why would why would I want to donate? Well, your biggest benefit is it shows that you're willing to invest in the community and not just your own profit margin. You're actually willing to help out the community as a whole. And not just look at your your profit margin, and that gets your name out in a good way. Think of the the Red Cross takes all this money in, but they also do a lot of good. So you can look at if you're a C level executive, we'll say for X Y Z company, if you're just starting up, hey, I need to get my name out there, but I also like to be involved and I want to be known in a positive way, that I contribute, not just you know throw fud out there. Hey, feed trust guys, maybe we can. You know, donate some money to help. You know, with the the candidates, or we have this demo equipment that we can donate to you for your lab setup. And then we can say, as the V Trust, we can be like, "All right, XYZ company is contributing to the community as a whole, and not just looking at their own main business incentives." In in a sense. Yeah, no, I mean, sounds great. So. Um, are you are you approaching a mixture of startups and established businesses? I, I'd have thought it'd be a great way for you know, um, for example, around storage. There are so many storage startups. You know, it's kind of a daily story of the oh look, there's another storage startup. Um, that if they wanted to get their kit known and people talking about their kit, what a great way to to have that advertised. Um, other than you know, say right, you know, we're providing um, the back end storage for the um, the community trust. Um, I can see that being you know something that's carrying quite a lot of uh, a lot of weight. Oh yeah, we're definitely trying to leverage that through our through our contacts and try and see because I don't know all the startups out there, but there are some and people that we do know that might be able to help us with those contacts and be like. Hey, I, I, I heard an XYZ company. You guys might want to try approaching them and see what can be done. And like you said, it'd be a great publicity for them. And it doesn't really cost them too much, in, in essence. And it gives them that good PR instead of that bad PR. So when are you going to pitch to Oracle, then? <laughs> Oracle. Well, Larry's already got a few boats, so we can't offer him a boat or anything. <laughs> Just pitch it with a tagline, do slightly less evil. Yeah, do slightly less evil. 
God, he, he, he should donate by taking you guys out on his boat, I guess. But yeah. the problem is you probably wouldn't return. That's, that can't be good. No, let's get that. Larry's one-way holiday trips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sounds so like a scene from Dexter. So you so, guys so, haven't actively been able to... Um, you haven't been able to actively get someone to uh, like pay for their certification yet or anything like that. You're still getting up and putting things together, correct? Correct. Yeah, at this point, we uh, we have some things kind of in the pipeline, to use some stupid business terms, um, but we, we haven't actually been able to do anything with the candidate. We're still working on putting together hardware and uh, space for, for our labs. We're working on some, some training materials. So, yeah, it's still a work in progress. Cool. Have you thought about providing like, and I a, think, a cloud-style lab for these guys? Well, oddly, yes. <laughs> that's been sort of the that's, that's actually been been the plan um, is to create something a lot like a, a a lot like a cloud offering that we can just go ahead and have a candidate pop in and do their thing with. As I guess if you've been um, speaking with uh, Mike Laverick, then you'll be all aware of uh, his infamous "my ass." Uh, Mike's infrastructure as a service, um, and I wonder <laughs> what he'll uh, be do- doing. You guys a, a special special discount on on use of that? I guess would be an ideal sort of scenario for it. Ooh, yeah! Pick up on his little data center. Yeah. So Mike's listening. I'm going to be talking to you soon. <laughs> um. You mentioned sort of the candidate. Um, you know, a lot of charities, they're sort of a benefactor to a group, whereas I guess with this, you, it's, it's going to be more about individual sort of beneficiaries, really. Um, how are you going to select a, a candidate? Chris, can you take this? Absolutely. So what we're really looking for is we're trying to enable people who would not otherwise have access to this type of training. And I think we look at it from two aspects. You know, A, we're in the industry, and we all know about it, but there's a lot of people out there that are coming either out of high school or college or junior college that don't know what virtualization really is. So we're really trying to expose it to the masses, but our target audience and the candidate that would be right for us is someone who couldn't pay for otherwise pay for this certification on their own. Uh, so we're really trying to bring them up because I think a lot of us in the V-Trust kind of grew up with kind of humble beginnings, and, you know, through any, you know, some luck of our own, we were able to stumble across virtualization. And we're just trying to enable that, uh, that, that pace a little bit faster. Okay, so it's a, um, people typically who might be, shall we say, between contracts. Um, I don't know, the, the, the cynic in me says that there are going to be sort of companies that are thinking, hang on a sec, I can get my training cheap this way. Um, and I'd hate for you guys to get sort of abused, uh, for want of a better word. Um, so, you know, is it something you've considered in having sort of um, mechanisms in place to prevent that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there, there is a, there's an application form that they would have to fill out, the applicant would fill out, that would, be, would allow us to, you know, judge whether they have come from, whether, you know, a lower socioeconomic status, whether they're just trying to go through some sort of job retraining. You know, we'll obviously take... You know, the candidates most in need first, people who haven't been exposed to the industry or people who can barely pay for a pair of shoes, let alone getting into the IT industry. And I think that was kind of the, the, the beginning. And I think, Tim, you had something to add there? 
Oh yeah, well you, you pretty much hit on it. As as of right now, we we did have to uh, define um, some factors in our um, in our submission for a nonprofit status, and and as Chris hit on, we we, we have to target uh, financial need people with the, with the financial need, um, and then we're also looking for some sort of involvement in in the community, in the IT community somewhere, not necessarily VMware, not necessarily, you know, tweeting with all the people out there. Uh, people can't all make VMUGs, but if there's an attendee that has some VMUG history, that works in a favor. So we're really working, looking at community involvement along with financial need, which will hopefully help us actually find the proper candidates. Yeah, I'd imagine you guys probably would have some kind of a screening process as well. Absolutely, there there is actually a um, an application on on the website, which is vcommunitytrust.org, um, that should be publicly available uh, for anyone to take a look at. It, it sort of it, it, it outlines what exactly what we're looking for. Fantastic. So, um, you know, I, I guess you, there is the the problem of you're trying to reach out to people who don't really have much exposure to virtualization, but you know, within the niche itself, there is virtualization. Not that many people have heard of yourself. So, you know, aside from going on podcasts and this, um, where, where's your sort of plans to, um, you know, make the wide, the wider IT community aware of it. And this is where Luigi comes in. Ah. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, yes. Yep. Yeah, that's where um, developing a good marketing strategy to spread the word um, is definitely going to be instrumental as far as getting it out there. Um, I, I can attest for being a college student that not a lot of college students are aware of exactly what virtualization is. So it's definitely an avenue to look at and spreading the word more. And the biggest place is the VMUGs because everyone knows someone that might be having a hardship. There's someone out there that you know that you could point in the direction to the V-Trust. Okay, so, it, so is, is this an, uh, a U.S.-only thing or for now, or how, how does that work? Is it, uh, I'm guessing the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the kind of tax-deductible status that you have is, is a U.S.-only thing, but is, is the, the offer of possibly getting training and so on also... Uh, a U.S. only thing. No, um, actually, so yeah, you're you're correct. The tax deductible offerings are U.S. only. Um, mm. Unfortunately, it's what a bunch of us Yanks know um, and what we're working on. But uh, and we we've actually talked on this well, mostly over a pint uh, on finding out what it takes to a actually be able to extend this globally. Um, at this point, we we're still, you know, it's it's still an idea in progress. Uh, we've we've solidified a lot of stuff, but it's definitely something that we've talked about and that we do need to definitely look at. Uh, we've actually talked with a couple of people, uh, of course, at VMworld, uh, that have offered some assistance, um, largely from UK. But I think if we uh, once we actually get our heads wrapped around reaching out to a, a, a global audience, we already have the the social media connections. I think uh, all of us have fairly deep ties. Um, 
across the community. Uh, so it's definitely something we're looking at, but now it is, it is really U.S. only. Hmm. Yeah, it has to start somewhere, I guess. So um, yeah. get it up and running there first uh, makes a lot of sense, and then might yeah. you if it if it takes off and if it if it kind of reaches critical mass or that kind of thing, you could possibly expand it to, to Europe or other places as well. Well, um, that's, and that's something I'd really hope that we could look at before we start reaching that, you know, that, that point of critical mass. Mm -hmm. um, I think it would be something really awesome to address early 2012 uh, when we get, you know, a, 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 oh, pardon me, a little bit of our hardware resources in place and a little bit of funding going on. But that's, uh, yeah, that, so that, that is the vision. That's great. It's, you know, it's also um, extra proof for, for those that needed it that beer helps get stuff done. Oh, yeah. oh I'm a firm, I'm a firm <laughs> believer. That's uh, brilliant. So um, you started the uh, the concept at VMworld, and have you been sort of continuing, um, you know, sort of pre preaching the good word, as it were, um, at uh, Vegas this year? Yes, Chris. I think you uh, you own a part of this, don't you? The Vegas Absolutely. Well, being the secretary, you know, it's one of those things where I have to pull together. Uh, we had our, our board meeting directly after the, um, the V-Expert lunch that John Troyer held, and that really set us in motion going forward. Uh, unfortunately, because of my responsibilities to my employer, I didn't have a, 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 a lot of time other than meeting with the guys, chatting up people as we're going through. But I know that Tim and Paul are roaming around uh, with our new card reader uh, with the, now the ability to take online transactions. Uh, it's our goal going forward, and you know, Luigi was working on this as well, that you know, major events, VMUGs, and things like this, that we would make appearances, obviously using social media, leverage, uh, you know, uh, leveraging social media to make sure our presence is known, and start collecting some of those do donations and getting the word out. Uh, next year, we're hoping to get some more vendor involvement to where we can kind of park in certain areas uh, around the conference and get them to tweet up and get them to sponsor, you know, bringing people in and possibly uh, leveraging some of their own ties in the industry to bring people towards us because it's all about really donations at this point. And I think that's been uh, an inhibitor up until this point. Uh, of really getting that lab infrastructure uh, up and ready. Well, we have obviously the curriculum from VMware. Uh, we have certified people to, tra you know, to, to train the, uh, the individuals once they're approved, but really building out the infrastructure is, is really where we're starting, and I think we're really on a good path uh, now that we've achieved that nonprofit status. Yeah, after VMworld, there's got to be a lot of lab equipment uh, available, I guess. Uh, there should be a, a, a way to just Tell, tell the vendors, I'll come up, pick, pick up your equipment after you're done <laughs> here, and we'll take it with us and use it. <laughs> yeah, you definitely want to hit, hit them up. It's a little bit like when you go camping. It's like, well, you could pack it up, or you could just leave it. <laughs> yeah, and also, there's, um, I know from experience, there's quite a few, uh, quite a few sites that would be, uh, quite a few companies that would actually want to get rid of their servers and not have to deal with... Uh, like really old servers and not have to deal with the mess of trying to recycle them or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Although I guess you, you then have the inherent problem of, you know, they're getting rid of their really old servers for the reason that they're really old. Um, and <laughs> well, by what standard yeah. is considered really old? It might be. Three yeah. It, years it old, does depend. Know? Um, I guess some, some enterprises are going to be wanting to sweat their assets that, that much harder. 
But, but uh, yeah, that is that is part of the challenge. Is we, we need to look at stuff that supports uh, the the most recent versions of of uh, VMware product. So yeah, we need the stuff that is you know definitely sixty four bit. So that really old server is I don't want to say useless, but um, challenging. Yeah, yeah, a little bit more restrictive um, and things you know storage. Yeah, you might get someone donate. A sand to you, but it'll be the size of a house and have precisely two terabytes of storage, <laughs> um, which which is a lovely <laughs> concept. And I I do remember actually the first the first sand I dealt with back in two thousand and uh, ooh, 2001, I think was uh, an IBM one. It had a, it had six terabytes. Shark. And I, I was I was away by six terabytes. So. The same for me here. Yeah, I I had a IBM Shark at ESS. It was called nine terabyte nine gig drives in it. And I think we got it up to yeah, six terabytes in total. <laughs> it's like my laptop's got that on it now. <laughs> yeah, with SSD, it's quicker as well. So yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess you know in term in terms of labs. There's other ways of approaching it. You don't necessarily have to go with big iron servers for it. Um, one way, and in fact, you know, it's the way that I personally run my own labs, is via um, VMware Workstation. But it's getting harder and harder with Workstation 7 because um, I can't virtualize 64-bit VMs nested. Mm-hmm. So you're having to run more and more outside your host, and that means you've got less and less of a workload to run inside the virtual host, so you can't really... You know, use anything in anger, um, and I happen to notice that Sir Christian has posted something about the next version of, VM, of uh, Workstation, and it sounds pretty impressive. Yeah, so, it is. I, I, I've been I've been playing with the beta for a while, uh, and kind of went public with everything uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, so there's a lot of new stuff in Workstation Eight, especially with regards to virtualizing 64-bit uh, nested guests. So in the in Workstation eight, you can actually run sixty four bit workloads inside a nested vSphere five uh, host inside your workstation. Uh, so that's uh, that's uh, a really good en- enhancement as well uh, to the existing uh, existing feature set of, of Workstation seven. There's a lot of other stuff as well. There's a, lo- a really lot of cool kind of management things in there with regards to being able to move VMs or workloads or teams, even though teams doesn't exist in version 8 anymore, uh, between your different uh, VMware products. So you can run, uh, you can move a workload from one workstation to another workstation or to your virtual sender or directly to an ESX host. Uh, with the drag and drop GUI in, inside of VMware Workstation, and it actually kind of makes me wonder why we aren't able to do that with the vSphere client as well, <laughs> which would make a lot of sense to be able to do it there instead of having to use install a hypervisor locally on your own computer to be able to use the management interface you should be able to use towards your production environment as well. Yeah, so, but there's there's a lot of cool stuff in in VMware, right? And I, I just hope the NDA police doesn't come and arrest me after this is published as well. Of course, of course, um, there will be no black helicopters around. Um, but yeah, I, I like the idea of it, it. You know, workstation being almost like your um, vSphere development environment. Yeah. Rather than having to have a um, almost like a landing host 
to do to do stuff on before you did save you had to do some machine transformations that you could kind of do that on your workstation if you had a beefy enough workstation which mm-hmm. I'm lucky I've got a pretty powerful workstation for it um, and then move that back into your main environment uh, yep. so you know it does it, you can do pretty much everything you'd want to do for a certification lab certainly you know I um, I've got through both of my uh, VCAP exams um, just with with workstation so you know for me I know it works um, I was there is a caveat I was lucky enough to have access to a, a fairly sizable production environment as well but most of the things that I had to do for the VCAP um, are bits that wouldn't be in my production environment and there's absolutely no way I could have installed them in my production environment because I'd have got shot um, <laughs> that kind of defeats the purpose of certification I guess so yeah the, yeah certification's useless if you've been shot yeah um, that's true <laughs> Does not, VCP five does not stop bullets. Um, but, okay, I so, got to revise my plan then. I, I thought it did. No, no, the manual's thick, but it's not that thick. Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, aside from you know, there's there's one there's one, one one more workstation eight thing I want to mention, uh, sure. and that's uh, the uh, the uh, uh, ability to run. Uh, headless uh, workstation installs, which basically means that you could run uh, a workstation the same way you did with VMware Server back in the day when they supported that. So you can you can fire up your own kind of uh, non a workstation server that you <laughs> use uh, workstation to manage remotely, and have every of the you can set up the VMs to auto start and and do whatever you want to without having to. Uh, use the old uh, vCenter server stuff to do that. So that's also an improvement. It kind of makes sense now that VMware server is uh, discontinued that they would build that into Workstation as well. Yeah, well, I I guess um, if you're going to do that, why not just build an ESX host? Yeah, it depends. It kind of goes back to the hardware requirements of ESX. Yeah, that's true. So you could do it on any Linux or any Windows box you have. True, and it's probably easier to build a beefy Windows box and cheaper because you don't have to do the hardware compatibility list dance. Uh, you're starting to sound like a Hyper-V guy now. <laughs> I'm not VM limited. <laughs> you did a certification there, didn't you? <clears throat> I have. Uh, I'm, afra- I'm afraid I did have to explore the dark side of that. Um, so yeah, I've, I've I've seen the things. I've seen the video. Has anyone else? <laughs> I I don't know what my what Microsoft were smoking when they thought that was a good idea to release. I mean, I, I love Microsoft as much as everyone else does, but really, seriously, oh, yeah. was it just some of the guys I find? Oh, let's have a, have a few beers and you know, go sit in the van. We'll we'll, we'll record a video. Then where I'll love it. Um, <laughs> it's you know, I think that was the. Uh, that was the best video Microsoft's ever done for VMware's benefit. That was absolutely yeah. horrible. Yeah, yeah. It was advertising for VMware. It was like, why did you? <laughs> I really don't understand it. It was somebody somewhere probably got paid a lot of money to do it, and fair play to them. It's a great gig, but I no. <laughs> I should have donated that money to the DV Community Trust instead. They should be. They should be. Yeah. Fact, <laughs> if events do something stupid, they should. Like you know, rather than say say sorry or pay these exorbitant sort of compensation, 
they should give you guys some money. Yep. Speaking of, uh, will uh, v- will V Community Trust also offer um, Hyper V training? <laughs> uh, oddly, you should ask that. Um, as much as I'd like to bite my tongue, no, I didn't say that. Uh, do we still have Chris on the phone? We do. Look- I'm here. We do. Okay, yeah. Then that's actually something you yep. had as a uh, on the visionary items, huh? Absolutely. So one of the things that we started talking about is we saw the initial vision and we saw the wheels in motion and getting that together, but we also felt that someone who just had a virtualization, uh, you know, the VCP certification may not necessarily be as valuable as someone who had a more well-rounded skill. So we're looking at Hyper-V certification, but more importantly, things from a networking perspective, from a storage perspective, uh, security. So at the end of the day, we're really trying to create that V professional or maybe that new, that new cloud architect or cloud admin. And really yep. trying to enable that next generation of IT folks uh, with a more well-rounded skill set. Now, that's a future vision. I think we, like you said, we need to start somewhere. And I think we thought that the, the VMware certification, uh, you know, the fact that VMware, you know, at least we think at this point has a, a pretty strong hold on the, uh, the virtualization market would be a good place to start. But we've already been talking to a lot of other vendors about how we can leverage uh, their certification and our status as a nonprofit to, to you know, create a more well-rounded individual at the end of the day. Fantastic. Um, obviously, the key skill for the modern virtualization admin is dodgeball. Um, so, <laughs> is that on the training list? You know, have you been approaching wrench companies, for example? <laughs> exactly. You know, there has to be some physical education aspect to it as well, correct? So, you're saying we get to throw balls at candidates? <laughs> no wrenches. That's awesome. No wrenches. Duck, duck a wrench Even first. better. <laughs> I think I think um, some of the VMware traders really should get some like rubber wrenches made up just to throw at uh, candidates who are just a bit slow on the training course. And, uh, <laughs> now that would make for a good video. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure people would would actually donate money to see you guys throw balls at vendors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's one of the good donations as well. That's brilliant. Charity ball sling. Yep. <laughs> so hey, Chris, make sure you put that on the uh, on the uh, register well, for next year's VM World. We're gonna have a uh, something like a dunk tank for vendors. Yep. Beautiful. Brilliant. Well, well, we are we are actually coming together with Theron Crony from VM Underground uh, in the uh, the Vodgeball tournament. We're going to actually be creating an all-day tournament next year prior to VMworld. So I think there's a great opportunity to have a little more fun with this and uh, maybe raise some money for the V Community Trust. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. I think uh, uh, hopefully, you know, Dodgeball might make it as far as uh, VMworld Europe in in years. I don't think it's on the uh, the agenda for Copenhagen this year. But it, it just sounds like a really great event. Um, it, it's the biggest thing that my personal jealousy of not, not doing VMworld US is not being able to get, do this dodgeball thing. I know I'd be useless at it, but it, it looks like a really good laugh. I don't know how many mainland European guys you can get to uh, agree to play dodgeball, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I think... There is beer involved. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Dodgeball with beer forfeits is the way forward. Um, I think we would make up for raw skill with enthusiasm um, and lack of practice because we used to play real sports at school. Um, well, I, I don't think there is any real skill involved, so uh, you know, <laughs> oh, I'll okay. right? 
I, I would still pay to post things at vendors. I can't get rid of that thought, that thought train. <laughs> oh no, I definitely see harness. We can come up with something like Dunka Geek or something like that, huh? Dunka Geek. <laughs> 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 I was going to say it's an idea it's definitely got like uh, <laughs> there's plenty of other stuff um, so yeah aside from dodgeball and uh, you know um, doing slinging. the initial sort of uh, ball slinging um, <laughs> uh, is there any other sort of big things you guys sort of came away from VMworld you know now that the adrenaline's died down a bit um, you know, it's, like it. it's a long event it's it to me. It felt like it. Just trying to watch it from the sidelines on Twitter. It felt like it was going on for two weeks, um, twenty four hours a day. There was people going, you know, whether they were just waking up, just going to bed, just going to sessions or events. Um, it just didn't appear to stop. Well, mostly parties, I think. Yeah, there were. There, there did seem to be a lot of parties, but you know, and that's. Uh, quite a charged kind of thing, and so when you get back from it, reality you kind of knocked on the door, the door, and you know you have to check your inbox again. Um, but what's really stuck for you guys? What's sort of your your big sort of takeaway from the event? Well, my my biggest takeaway is I, I saw that uh, is it the Horizon Mobile app? Okay, the, yep. The, the mobile that, uh, the So I have a yeah, lot of the virtualization platform one. On the phone, I have a lot of questions along that space um, because I find that interesting. But I also have a lot of questions that I want to explore for some of my future blog posts. So I got to try pinging some of the the Horizon people. And then the other thing, I was talking with some individuals over lunch, and we were talking about the App Blaster. Yeah. That so to me, those were the two things that I I like the most. Besides all the actual interacting with the people, I don't know how many people I talk to. I lost my voice by Tuesday. Um, wow. <laughs> so, so that was definitely like the biggest takeaway for me was those two that I want to research more. And, yeah. And about because um, Ed, Christian, and myself saw sort of you know the the prototype really for the um, Horizon Mobile um, in the form of they called it uh, VMware Mobile Virtualization Platform. Um, yeah. MVP. And I have to say, it kind of went down like a. Sausage roll at a bar mitzvah, really. Um, it, <laughs> it didn't really sort of generate much enthusiasm amongst the tech field day crowd, mainly because they were all iPhone guys and they're going, Well, it won't work on my phone, I'm not interested. Um, as the token Android user, I thought it was quite good. Well, that, and I think it would be a lot more useful if, um, if you could use a multi SIM phone, you know. Yeah, no, I think they had some way to go on it, and the concept there I, was strong. Um, it, it needed some rounding off, um, but uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully it will get there. Um, at blast, yeah, that sound. The the phrase I'm hearing kicked around uh, Twitter is "it's a VDI killer." Um, what do you guys think? No, 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 it's uh, it's not a VDI. Is that in, in uh, you can make your um, desktops even lighter weight because you're just putting a browser in them? But if you're just putting a browser in them, surely a, VP, a, a Chromebook with a VPN, why bother with the desktop in the first place? You're stopping your data um, held locally, sorry, he you know, held in your data center, not on the endpoint. 
you've got the security you know, VPN. With the whole focus on the uh, on the end user devices, that's that's really what I've been wondering myself. Um, they're, they're they're creating these tools uh, that really would allow me to go to work with my tablet and not really need a whole lot else. I'd be able to get all my apps. Um, so, yeah, I've actually been wondering what impact this is going to have on VI long term, and I don't know the answer yet. It's <laughs> the application still have to run somewhere, and that's probably where VDI might be heading. Instead of instead of doing the whole desktop thing, you'll end up with a, a kind of a uh, you can't call it VDI if it's no desktop, I guess. But, Dynam- yeah, yeah, sort of dynamic application VM. So yeah. you'll have so, a backend server almost all for you to do backend processing. Yeah. So we're talking uh, something like a Citrix product that yeah. does application yeah. publish. published applications. <laughs> yeah, I was almost just about to say that. Citrix has been doing that for a while. Yep. Yeah, it does, that doesn't translate. Well, it does translate the application, doesn't it? Because it, it, in reality, that isn't what happens. It, what happens is it's just the the the, uh, the actual user interface gets sent to your computer, and then everything happens on the back end anyway. So yeah, it's kind of the same thing, but but here it's using HTML5 to present data instead, so you might not need a client, but you still be, need uh, a way to access the data or access the applications anyway. So. I'm not quite sure where that is going, but it seems like to me like AppBlast might actually be a, a supplement to VDI as published applications are a supplement to the full desktop on a Citrix server. Hmm. Yeah, that sounds uh, like a, a pretty good set of answers there. Um, and the, the other thing, the thing that for me, I found impressive. Maybe because I'm not a big VDI person, and until last week, I didn't open a tablet. Uh, was the uh, Project Octopus stuff. Um, so many, I've, I've heard a lot of enterprise IT managers going, you know, I like Dropbox, but I just wish we owned it. You know, that, well, we, yeah. how can I deploy my own Dropbox? That sounds uh, like me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> are, are any of you guys familiar with the old uh, uh, iFolder project that, um, uh, that Novell now owns? No. No. So, so it's, mm, this is no. actually it's it's it was the roots of what Dropbox and 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 um, now the other folks, Sugar Sync, have have, have uh, formed. It's it, it was it was uh, it was an application downloadable, hosted internally, and it served that uh, that document synchroniz- synchronization. Um, it looks like uh, Novell picked up the project a couple of years ago, and. Then it just sort of died. Uh, it, it, too bad. Um, it, it was actually really nice. It was just like what Atlas, or I'm sorry, Octopus sounds like it's going to be, and uh, it was a beautiful thing. I, I, I really missed that project when it died off. And so yeah, might, might have to do some some history digging on that because um, it just sounds like what I, I love about Dropbox is that to use the the Apple term, it just works. Um, having um, have you guys ever tried to set up uh, Microsoft DFS replication uh, and try to get it replicate quickly? Mm-hmm. And it's quite painful to say that. <laughs> uh, depends on the definition of on quick of quickly, I guess. Yeah, within the same geological time zone. On oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, say for example, um, web server backend, and you've got a couple of load balance web servers with 
uh, static-ish content that might change once or twice an hour, but nothing nothing bad. Um, until the very latest version of DFSR, um, that was like pulling teeth. Um, because you know, and you had so much um, sort of back end to support it. You had to have your AD replication working really well, and so on and so forth for that. And then to go from that to Dropbox, which intelligently syncs, it'll try and sync to local first before it syncs to via a WAN link, and you know, will always go over the fastest connection. Seems to work its way out of every single firewall I've known. Um, without any user interaction, which is brilliant. Uh, you know, that's exactly what you want. The only problem is if, you know, from an enterprise point of view, that you can no longer really control it. And so if you could have Dropbox functionality with enterprise control, then I think you're on a winner. That's true. Uh, uh, I, I agree. I think... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to support that. I think that yeah. they're actually releasing this product is, is, is going to be phenomenal. Everyone out there is using Dropbox. Uh, behind uh, behind the corporate firewalls, it still works, and it would be not, nothing but a benefit just to be able to get the corporation to get their arms wrapped around the security behind it. Mm. Or have yeah. worse security, depending. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. their choice. So, yeah, yeah, unfortunately, does it work for my? Does it work in my employer firewall? Yeah, and you get blocked too. It, it, it seems that quite a few employer firewalls actually, or because they drop, they block uh, Dropbox, um, and we do use some of our hosting on Dropbox. Um, it, it makes the VSuite podcast quite difficult to listen to from certain corporate oh, networks. That's covered. a good point. Ooh. yeah, mm-hmm. I haven't thought of that. Which, which kind of everyone uh, allow Dropbox? <laughs> Please. Uh, no, we may well have to work on a plan B for that, but uh, yeah. we'll, perhaps perhaps we can get Project Octopus and we'll, we'll, we'll host it on that. Um, we need a beta. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone wants to get us onto that, that would be fantastic. Uh, probably, <laughs> yeah, about wrapping up. I mean, I've, got, I've got one little little more bit to say that, uh, of news type stuff that... Um, Probably might not be particularly relevant to a lot of people, but it, it's some quite sort of important uh, computing history news um, okay. that's, uh, that's just come up. Uh, and it's uh, regarding um, a guy who passed away last week uh, by the name of Tony Sale, uh, who died at age 80, who was, um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Colossus, which was the world's first programmable uh, computer. It was built during the Second World War to mm-hmm. crack the uh, Lorenz code, which was the uh, uh, evolution of the Enigma code. And after the war, all the machines were destroyed. All of the documentation was destroyed. And this guy started the project to rebuild it based on three photos and like a scrap of circuit diagram and just people and talking to people and uh, ransacking old telephone exchanges to get the, the valves that were used in it. And it took him, I, I first saw it in uh, 2001, and he finished it, the project in 2007. Um, and yeah, had it built. And he, to me, I met the guy a fair few times, and he was the world's original mad professor. Um, stupid intelligent, and just a real inspiration um, to everyone. So it's just sort of a quick, yeah, rest in peace, Tony Sale. Absolutely. Well, guys, um... Thanks a lot for listening to uh, our latest VSoup here. Uh, be sure to check us out on Stitcher, iTunes, or vsoup.net.